0: But it feels like
1: <laughs> whatever stadium they were in, he would go do his interviews as Mankind in the Boiler Room because mm-hmm. it was that dark, creepy genre. Well, there's some work going on here at the Mission, and
0: we're in the Boiler Room right now. <laughs> we are. We've got the stovepipes looming ominously over the screen. This is, this is something. But, um, I feel like we're in timeout over here. Once again, I was proved right today. When they went to
1: drop after the whole rigmarole of me... Figuring out we needed to drop the smoke eaters in here, Mm -hmm. marking them. I said, "Get a cherry picker in here to drop them. Don't try to do it from ladders. Somebody's going to get killed." Right. Well, they did it from ladders. Luckily, nobody got killed. Only a couple. By the
0: grace of God, go I. Only a couple of
1: maimings. Right. And the reason was we could not get a lift through that door. If you look behind the screen right here, there is a lift. How and they, they and they didn't lower it in from the ceiling. They drove it through that door that I told them they could drive it through.
0: Why did they? That's a double door. Why did they think they couldn't get a cherry picker? The today? turn radius. Uh...
1: But once again, I was proved right. I just for the for the record out there, everybody keeping score. That Shane two thousand nine hundred eighty
0: eight world one. So <laughs> anyway, how are you today, Trey? <laughs> Right, we are both in a bit of a punchy mood tonight. This is going to be an interesting show.
1: Yeah. I've been
0: fighting the HOA. You've been fighting the laws of physics.
1: Yeah, everybody, I'm a little bit punchy today, as Trey put it, because I'm in the middle of a stupid situation, and I'm going to have to stupid my way out of it. <laughs> yeah, I can't even smart my way out of this situation. i got to stupid my way out of it.
0: You're, you're wrestling with hogs. Both of you end up muddy, only the hog likes it. That's right. Exactly.
1: At all okay so I gave so to brighten my day I've gave Trey a special cigar and I'm going to put enough pressure on him there's no way he can enjoy it. All um, right. <laughs> so what I brought for you is La Gloria Cubana 8th Street. Um it's an Ecuadorian habano wrapper over a Nicaraguan binder and Dominican Republican Nicaraguan filler. Now the key is Made in the legendary El Titan de Bronze factory, and you know how much I love the El Titan de Bronze factory and everything they do. Mm-hmm. So that's a very special cigar that come out from La Gloria Cubana. My question for you, and you don't have to answer now, but by the end of the show, you've got to tell me what you would pay for that cigar.: Gotcha. Because you know if I'm asking you that, I'm either asking you that because it's an extremely bargain or it's a little high, right. So you're go- I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you smoke it, and t- then go through the process. I'll
0: tell you right off the top. You know, I. I'm admittedly a cigar squeezer. I know there's a lot of, you know, you talk to a bunch of different people. Everyone's got differing opinions on on what kind of a pariah that should make me. But I went through such a stretch where every cigar I was smoking had a tight draw that I developed a fairly keen ability to suss out bad draws from good by a light squeeze, never so much that I damage a wrapper or anything like that. In particular, I'll tell you, it was the ADN by Law Aurora. In one box, you'll get half that are unsmokably tight and half that are good. So you, I just, after getting burned so many times, I had to do it. I say all that to say, on squeeze, I would have thought this was going to draw a little tight. And it doesn't. Not it draws nut.
1: perfectly. Um, yeah, so let's, let's talk about squeezing your cigars. Um, okay, this is probably the least relatable example I've ever given. Okay. When you get the average gun, the average gun comes with an eight-pound trigger pull. Right. Well, most people adjust that down to a six-pound trigger pull. If you have that capacity, you adjust it down to a six-pound trigger pull because a lighter trigger pull gives you a more accurate shot. Okay. Now, Matilda, my 30 out six is on a four-pound trigger pull. You just you sneeze and yeah, it goes off. You brush it and it goes off, and I'll, and that, and that's not something I would recommend for anybody. Right. And all, but it works perfectly for me and her. And so when you grab your cigar, what do you think? About a seven-pound trigger pull worth of pressure?
0: (laughs) I'm trying to think. So what is a four-pound trigger pull? What does that actually relate to? Because I'm trying to think about moving a bag of flour across my countertop. That's a five-pound bag. That's going to be a tough putt with one finger. Um, so it can't actually be exactly like I'm curious where that how that gets uh, standardized. I don't know. I don't know the process for that. You know, there should be a scale for squeezing. A squeezability scale if you will. So the comedian Eddie Azard, who I you know I'm just a tremendous fan of in one of her really early acts had a bit about going into the the supermarket because you know they all say you got a squeezy squeezy, but no one no one knows how do you know, and and the the joke is putting electrodes on your fingers. so it's like right. and that's what we need. We need the the matic that just goes. You slip it on your fingers. It's like a caliper, and it measures the.
1: <laughs> well, you know so. If, you th- if you're thinking about your five-pound bag of flour. Yeah. If you were pushing your five-pound bag of flour across um, fairly rough linoleum, that would be an eight-pound pull. Okay. If you're pushing it across a smooth counter, that'd be a six-pound pull. If you grease the counter up and you push it, that'd be a four-pound pull.
0: All right. Does that quantify it for you? So So it would... I was thinking, like, hang it from a pendulum, and it's about... So that would be too light, even though it's five pounds. It's it's fairly interesting that you went with mechanics and I went with lubrication. (laughs) (laughs) Freud would have a field day (laughs) with that.
1: Somebody somebody listening right now that's a psychiatrist says this is very telling. (laughs) So Agadorsa Leaf, Supreme Leaf 2023. So that's what I'm smoking. So I've seen the Supreme Leaf came in last week, and I said, all right. And then I said, no, I'll wait and get it on the... Smoke it for the first time on the Cigar Cast
0: I thought you had had
1: that This is the new one, this just uh, came out this year Oh, okay, okay They come out with a new one every year That's right um, But it's a
0: different blend each year?
1: No, well, yeah, somewhat, but more more likely to different sides
0: Gotcha, okay I was thinking it was just an annual release I didn't realize there was No, because
1: they've released it in Box Press They've oh, released okay. it in
0: Robusto The year they released it in Robusto was the worst
1: Okay Because nobody wanted to pay the price for Robusto And uh, it was the hardest year to sell
0: those things ever. I get that. Especially for a brand that doesn't have a lot of staying power anyway.
1: Yeah. So, intelligently, this year, they made it a Toro so that a normal human being would want to purchase it. Yeah. And um, so, it's a a Corojo 99 wrapper, Nicaraguan binder and fillers. I mean, good stuff. Aganor Salif. It's going to be hard for it to go wrong. All right. So I'm going to give that a shot. We're going to see what that's like today. Sorry, I had to, had to move on out of our squeezing conversation. It's fine.
0: Uh, so, but before we get into the, the topic at hand, I've got a question for you, because I was thinking about this yesterday. When was the last time you bought a cigar from not a cigar shop, like a discount tobacco place that has a humidor or a smoke shop that sells glassware and other kinds of stuff? happens to have a humidor couldn't tell you ha- has been years it, it had been a while for me too yesterday after so we went into Medina because my daughter's uh, high school play they were doing a Shrek the musical so we spent. We went to the Saturday and the Sunday show the Sunday show yesterday was from 1.30 until you know about 4 by the time I got back into Jackson it was about 5 there, there's only one cigar shop in Jackson They don't open on Sunday at all But there was a, a, a glass, a, almost a head shop But they had a proper walk-in humidor I said, well, I mean, I had a couple But I was, it, for, for reasons that don't really matter I wanted to have a couple extra just in case I needed them For the duration until I got here tonight I walk in And the selection, pretty remarkable They had the Romeo and Juliet Nicaragua, the blue label that I love oh so very much. Bunch of Rocky, bunch of Gurkha, blah, 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 blah. This is what got me thinking though. They had the Oliva Master Blend. When was the last time you saw one of those in a proper shop? It's been a minute, right? I started thinking about it. Every time I go into a place like that, I see that cigar. And it just makes me wonder how that cigar, that is a phenomenal cigar. I absolutely love the Oliva Master Blend, but I never see it. But yet, every time I go into some just hole-in-the-wall closet humidor that probably has people shopping in it once every two weeks, I see them all over the place. Now, they were 16 17 bucks, which is not bad for that cigar when you consider... How much everything else is gone? I remember them being about twelve, fourteen, but it's been a number of years. So I figure, okay, that's—I didn't get one, but I was just—it got me thinking about that cigar. Why Oliva doesn't distribute that
1: more? Got to be—you know—those most of those humidor[s] are handled by a company that just stocks them. Mm-hmm. There's not somebody at the liquor store that knows cigars. That comes in there and stocks those. I have a buddy that used to work for one of those companies, and his job was to go into these gas stations and say, okay. You need this, you Yeah, you're, need out that. Back route, you're out of Baccarat, you're out of chillin' Moose, you're out of, you know, whatever. And get those ordered and get them in through a distributor. So it makes me wonder if maybe the distributors kind of have sewed up that master blend. Maybe. So much that Aleva's not, you know, the, the reps are not getting samples, they're not marketing it. Which is just... And that just, may be why.
0: Yeah, I, like Fisher King. Is that the the big one, the big broker that does that, something that sells Padrones to people that can't open a Padron account? I, I guess, yeah, maybe they've got the market sewn up, but it seems like a total miss for Oliva. Yeah, it's Lipman around here. Oh, Lipman does it. Uh-huh. I yeah. didn't know that.
1: Lipman does everything. I Man, Lipman does beer, does cigars, does everything.
0: Changes your oil.
1: Yeah. But they'll pop the popcorn if you let them sit around long enough. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I went into a liquor store humidor. Yesterday. Did you say pop the popcorn? Yeah, it's an old wrestling term.
0: Yeah, but that was that's missing from this shop. That would be awesome popcorn. Yes, wouldn't wouldn't hurt
1: the atmosphere at all. No, we can get a you popcorn maker to, in yeah. here. I gotta get Mark on the pop the popcorn.
0: <laughs> so, I didn't know that was missing from this shop, but now I want some popcorn.
1: <laughs> so no, I did. I thought of, I had. It's funny how our lives parallel sometimes to live such different lives. I walked into a liquor store yesterday. Um, we was at Brentwood. Glenda was still shopping in one store, and I went to Total Wine, which is a liquor store the size of a Walmart. Oh, yeah. It's massive. Ridiculously huge.
0: And I'm not a big drinker. I just love walking around liquor stores. Yeah.
1: I, I, there's something about it. I like
0: seeing what's out there. It's really fun people watching. Yeah, you've got the you've got the bourbon heads that are looking exclu- just for the ex- super exclusive stuff. You've got the dead-eyed alcoholics. You've got the the people go into their book club and need a cheap but passable bottle of wine. Like there's all manner of people in there.
1: Oh yeah, and you got the, the guy. I had the guy yesterday in the bourbon place, and all. I was talking to his buddy, and I know this how the conversation. Hey, hey, they got Basil Hayden toast. Is that any good? Oh, it's amazing, man. I can't believe they have that. Get a bottle. Okay. And they got the weller. Oh, okay. Well, which, which horse has it got? Oh, yeah. Get a bottle of that, too. Get a bottle of... <laughs> and this guy probably walked out of there $1,000 worth of liquor. Right. That he's never going to get paid for by his buddy. But anyway, I walked in the humidor there, and I said, okay, that's a perfectly passable humidor. That's exactly how a humidor in a liquor store should look. Yeah. They had just the basics. Nothing really boutique Nothing really simple. Range in price doesn't need to be anything in that humidor under twelve dollars,
0: right? Because if need- you're buying your cigars there, right. you're not all that worried about the economics of it. Doesn't need to be anything in that humidor over twenty bucks, right?
1: Because so it's gonna sit there forever. They had a ex- perfectly acceptable gas station humidor, for lack of a better word. So, all right, moving forward from Fox 13 News Tampa Bay, they're, they're on, on your, your side. side. Bet. <laughs> Bats living in the J.C. Newman Cigar Building could be getting a new home. So we did this article a year or so ago about the bats that were in the old building
0: that they were remodeling. Yeah, and then we touched on it a little bit about three weeks ago, talking about the park they're building complete with bat houses.
1: Right, and this article goes into a little more detail about that, that they're slowly getting the bats out naturally. They're just putting tubes in that the bats go out, and then they can't come back in. And they have to go across the road to the park and get into the bat houses there. They talk about the importance of bats to the ecosystem, and I agree. Bats are great.
0: Especially in in central Florida, where you've got a lot of mosquitoes and other flying insects. They're great to control that population. Yeah.
1: And, I mean, I applaud J.C. Newman. J.C. Newman seems to be on top of things. They seem like they really go the extra mile. For their employees, for their bats, for everything.
0: I think before they even started talking about this project in any sort of tangible way, they got their either their PR department or an outside firm and said, plan this for us. Here's what we want to do. You're in charge. Because right. they have handled this so well from an optics perspective to this point.
1: Yeah, they've looked nothing but good. Now... Here's my question: When does the bat cigar come out? When do we get
0: the save the flying night mice tubo? Save the flying night mice tubo? That's that's a tongue twister.
1: Well, you know, so you think about it. The muwat used to be my Uzi weighs a ton. Right. There's got to be some combination of save the flying night mice that we could turn into a neat sniff little acronym: like, sniff them, smooth them, <laughs> sniff them. <laughs> 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 so, there's there's got to be something there. There's, S- Stuff
0: them. I don't know.
1: <laughs> there's got to be something there, but um, radar stogies. I was listening to that I, radar. I like radar. Yeah. Count Smokula.
0: <laughs> I think that's something else. <laughs> oh, probably.
1: And all, but I don't know. And you said you smoked
0: a Lago today. Yeah, I actually did. It, which is actually, I think it's Italian for bat. And it was. I've been sitting on it since I, I picked it up in San Juan. So I've been sitting on it for a while. It's been in my humidor and. It's just been kind of sitting there waiting for I was gonna smoke it on the show but it didn't feel interesting enough to warrant that you know what I mean so I finally broke it out today on the way from picking up Benny from from being boarded over the weekend and yeah it was it was fine it was no what a resounding review it was fine it, it was it was a five or four and three quarters I mean it was it wasn't it didn't blow my socks off, but for an 11 a.m. smoke for an hour drive, it, it fit the bill perfectly. It burned well. It drew well. It was somewhat flavorful, but not so much that it was offensive as an early mo- morning smoke. I thought it was it was it was fine. It, it, I, I would smoke another one.
1: Well, the Espinosa, they got a new rep, Espinosa does. And he's a guy I used to know down at the cigar room in, Ma- in Madison. He's he's a great guy, and he's been in here a couple of times talking to us. He tried to sell us on the punch, knuck- or not the punch, the um, the knuckle sandwich. The Guy Fieri yeah. cigar, smoked one was not impressed. I wasn't either. I mean, two maybe three, um, just was not an impressive cigar. But I like the Lorana, huh? and I like the La Creme. Yeah. Uh, or Crema. There's is the Crema. Turn yeah. Heads is
0: La Creme, but Crema.
1: But it's one of those things where there's just not
0: a spot in the humidor for it right now. Yeah, it it's a it's a tough one because it Do they still make the Labamba? Yes. Cuz the 601 Labamba is excellent. For a full-bodied cigar that is more than just bringing a whole bunch of nicotine to the party, it it really does well and it if memory serves it's priced incredibly budget friendly
1: yeah the um, I smoked one of those at Corona cigars in Orlando, okay, and kind of had that, so but um I mean, Espinosa's a great guy, yeah, but it just that's that's the thing we're struggling with all the time is these reps are great and they got good product, but
0: it's like, man, there's just not a place right now. Espinosa's tough also because they don't have name recognition, right. and so, with the exception of cigar nerds like us. Most people aren't going to see Espinoza and go, oh, I've been looking for those.
1: Well, you know, we've had a real problem here. It's not a problem, but it is selling craft cigars. Yeah. But if you look in the city of Spring Hill, all the restaurants are chain restaurants. Mm-hmm. Most of the stores are chain stores. Right. There's, you know,
0: there's not... You the... don't have a craft population here.
1: Yeah, we don't. We don't have a
0: craft a If craft you want that, craft. go to East Nashville.
1: Yeah, we were, you know, we were talking about it today in here Because like, we brought in illusione, Not done well Tatuaje, not done well That's remarkable Great cigars Yeah Have not done well in this humidor um, The stuff that's done well in this humidor Has been the big box stuff And of course La Galera Because they're cheap Right And all But trying to sell a $13, $14 craft cigar in here Is tough Yeah And it's tough to
0: sell an $8 Tatuaje in here which is just remarkable because that yeah. tattoo is phenomenal
1: yeah so it's been really fascinating speaking of cigar economics as you smoke your cigar trying to play the price is right game with me oh can <laughs> and, i not go over <laughs> closest to the actual retail price about going over and uh, but yeah by the way if i'm ever on the price is right there's a good time i'm going good chance i'm going to jail
0: because as soon as you say 500 and someone says 501, you're going to clock them. I'm beating them to death right there. That should be again, there should be a minimum $50 difference. Absolutely. Uh, $500, uh, $100. It, no, it used that. to be that there would just be the guy who did the $1 bid. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was fine. I was watching it, I was sitting in a doctor's waiting room because that's the only time I'm going to watch prices right anyway. And someone says twelve hundred dollars. The next guy says twelve oh one. The next guy says twelve oh two. Stop it!
1: Oh, the worst is what if you? So there's always the guy that tries to be smart at one dollar because he figures everybody is overbid. Yeah. And then the jerk next thing goes two
0: dollars. Yeah, that's no. The one person gets to play that card. Here's the
1: thing. I think there should be a physical challenge. Right. I think if if I say twelve hundred, you say twelve oh one. We draw rapiers first blood. Oh, Indian leg wrestle. Indian leg wrestle? Well, okay, whatever works. It's better (laughs) television. Yeah, probably. But anyway, sorry, we got sidetracked there (laughs) at all. So, all right, let's talk about this FDA's foolishness before we go to the break. So we usually try to get our legislative stuff out of the way. All right, this is the Half Wheel article? Yep, this is from Half Wheel. 16 thoughts. FDA proposes regulating
0: cigar factories and other tobacco manufacturing facilities. So... I mean, at, at first blush, that sounds like the FDA doing more FDA things. But I'll remind you and, other, and listeners that when all of the FDA regulations first came out, this was one of the big pieces of it. You know, requiring certain sanitation guidelines, requiring stainless steel production tables instead of wood, for all of these kind of things, most of the regulations... Not just the you know the blend registration, but most of the actual regulations were, were on this side of the side of the house. It was it was about managing the air quality of the production facilities, the utensils you use, the things like that. So this isn't necessarily new to the FDA fight.
1: So okay, I got a couple of questions about this. So, are they saying if we don't go to Nicaragua and inspect your factory, we're not going to allow your cigars to be sold in the United States?
0: Yeah. So, it it proposes a very interesting chicken and egg scenario, doesn't it? Oh, well, we don't have the resources to send somebody out. Okay, well, that's your fault, not ours. Yep, you still can't sell it. Right. Because it's, it's, that's what's going to happen, right? They're not going to send... We, because the FDA doesn't really have jurisdiction in Nicaragua. So what happens when Nicaragua says, no, you you can't get a visa?
1: Well, what happens when you get the ultra-liberal FDA employee that goes down there and says, what, you're working for $2.43 a day? And drives the price of all of our cigars up because they start raising hell about how much these people are getting paid when $2.43 a day in Nicaragua will get you a chicken, a pot, and a bottle of rum.
0: Well, I don't know how much of that... I, I don't have that much concern about that because they don't really have any... You're, you're thinking about the person acting kind of as a rogue agent with their personal ideology as opposed to acting in an official capacity. It's possible, but... Well,
1: the FDA is notorious for saying, we want you to pass our guidelines. Okay, what are your guidelines? We'll tell you. Okay, how will you tell me? Well, you'll pay us a bunch of money, and we'll come inspect, inspect it. When you these guidelines... And when you break it, we'll tell you you broke it. Yeah, So I don't think it's too much of a reach to think that them inspecting cigar factories would just be a tremendous mess. Oh, it'll absolutely be a mess. And, you know, now the encouraging part of this article is they did say, um, and this may be wishful thinking on Charlie's part, Charlie Menounos or Menado, Charlie Menado part that it does look like the, that we're getting the premium cigar exemption.
0: Right. In in which case for most of what's in our humidors now this won't have much of a, an effect.
1: Right. So is this the FDA saying, "Okay, we're going to lose the battle on regulating cigars. Let's see if we can, you know, shake them down for a few shekels in the manufacturing process?"
0: Yeah, very likely. It's also possible that the the current you know, Cigar Rights of, an, of America lawsuit in D.C. is probably going to hold this up, too, like it does all the other FDA regulations that they propose.
1: As well, it should. Yeah. And, I mean, here's the deal. FDA, if you want to get rid of vape, get rid of vape. If you want to get rid of um, cigarettes, get rid of cigarettes. If you need money to do that, hold a telephone. Right. Don't be... Get Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Get, dig him up. Do whatever you got to do. And hold a telethon for, hey, nosy people of America, we're going to keep people from doing what they want to do. Um, Why don't you all all send us some money so we can can continue that fight? Quit trying to shake down the premium cigar industry to accomplish your goals that are against its best interest. Right. I guess that would be my thought on the process. So, all right, won't we take five? All righty. We come back. We're going to talk about a non-alcoholic lounge and a... Fair and balanced article from Los Angeles Daily News. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane. Sitting across from the man who I hear can get you things, Mr. Trey Denman. <laughs> you don't know, remember that line from the Shawshank Redemption? Yes. What he says I, because I, I, I need something special. I need you. I need to acquire something. Okay. Got to okay, everybody. You're about to get a glimpse into the mind of Shane. Buckle your seatbelts. This could get dirty. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm I'm over here. Before you say anything, I'm racking my brain of something I could get that you can't. So, do you remember? In the Cold War spy movies,
1: they had the hollow tooth that they kept a cyanide capsule in. Yes. I need a hollow tooth, no cyanide capsule. Okay, I might. that might be tough. I can get one with the cyanide. I need it without the cyanide. Okay. Preferably having never had the cyanide (laughs) in it. Okay, let me go ahead. I would like brand new in package, hollow tooth and all. And I want to put a Viagra in it. Oh, dear God. Because... If ever it looks like I'm going to get tortured, I'm going to pop that thing. And about 20 minutes into the torture, it's going to get real awkward for the guy doing the whipping. Because you clearly
0: are enjoying yourself. <laughs> that's right. And they're going to have to take a different approach.
1: <laughs> yes. That's, that's my ideal to get out of being tortured. If ever I'm de- being tortured, that's my first,
0: first go-to response. That's, You know, I've known you a long time. That's out there, even for you. Is that as far out there as that, i that's, that's about as far out there. Yeah.
1: Well, then you have that one nightmare where the guy whipping your leans in and says, you too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> then then you're just done for. But what's the chances of getting that guy? No, so. <laughs> We've got a code blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I just thought I would thought I would expound on that ideal. Just if you happen to come across one of those unused, empty molars, I'd like it.
0: All right. I'll, I'll keep an eye out. You don't see that out yard selling the estate sale? Not yet. I've
1: seen a used <laughs> one or two, but, you know. Again, you're looking for new in box. Yeah, okay. I need new in box. I need one, preferably, that's never been used. Los Angeles Daily News. Cigar enthusiasts should be granted the same freedom as alcohol and cannabis users. All right, I'm not going to be on this article for long. All right.
0: Because you and I have been beating this drum. It, everyone knows we agree with this.
1: Right. You know, well, especially as it pertains to the alcohol. Yeah. That people can just drink, you know, gallons of alcohol and drunk driving kills so many more people than cigars do. Exactly. Yet they still harp on cigars. But a pretty fair and balanced article, it's called, labeled an opinion piece. They didn't even put the guy's name on the article. Is it at the bottom? I didn't even say. Oh, yeah. David
0: David Osgo.
1: Oh, <laughs> president of the Cigar Association of America. <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, they de- designate a lot of stats in here that really go to prove our point. And, okay, I can smoke a cigar and drive home completely safe. Right. I can smoke a box of cigars and drive home completely safe. Yet they don't want me to be able to smoke cigars. But the guy that smokes weed and gets behind the wheel and kills a bus full of nuns and orphans, he's okay. Right. I mean that just the the sheer um, what do they call that audacity? No, when you when you hypocrisy think so. hypocrisy. Thank you, the hypocrisy of this legislation, but. I did feel like, to be fair and balanced, I needed to mention that Los Angeles Daily News
0: actually had a balanced article. I am disappointed that there are no comments on this article. I really wanted to hear the peanut gallery.
1: You know, I almost never read the comments on an article because it's, it's always the dumbest guy in
0: the room. But I, sometimes there's value in knowing what the dumbest person in the room has to say.
1: I guess. Because it, heaven
0: it, forbid he agrees with me.
1: Right. He agrees Then I've got to rethink my whole ethos. The whole position, but this does lean to the Charlotte Observer. In a first for Charlotte, an alcohol-free bar comes to uptown. It stays open till four a.m. So Charlotte's first boozeless bar has opened in just steps away from the Spectrum Center, and it's called the Sugar Lounge. Now, there's that's pretty self-explanatory. I don't think we have to go into you know right. finding the address. They're going to do some quote mocktails. Which means they're going, you know, serve fruit juice and ginger ale.
0: Basically, yeah. In (laughs) fact, they even said down here the recipe for their martini is, you know, club soda and lemon juice, essentially.
1: But, so, this brings up two different questions. One, this has to
0: have been tried before. Yeah, I feel like it, certainly in Utah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you would, I mean, I'm sure this has been tried before. There's been the you know alcohol free bar has been tried numerous times and i don't think i've never heard of one succeeding
0: i i as much as i love the idea i can't imagine that it's going to work
1: which leads me directly to my second point this could work because the social club is going to see a resurgence in our
0: country I believe but is there in every bar in America at least any bar like this you know certainly not your dive taverns in the middle of Pittsburgh that's got nothing but steel workers on their way home but your bars like this your trendy bars they all serve mocktails so if you're Social club is about getting together and interacting with people. I mean, I can certainly appreciate the people who don't want to go to a bar, but most people who do enjoy to have a drink after work are not going to want to go to a bar where they can't have a drink.
1: Okay. So here's my first question. The only way this work is um, if the clientele all has to be 21 and older. If 15, 14-year-old girls are going to come marching in here and start placing special drink orders, I'm going to tear a hole in the wall I'm leaving so quick. My hat will be suspended in the air. And the only guys that are not going to be leaving that quick are going to be the last guys you want to be around your 14-year-old girls.
0: Well, so that's actually answered here because, and here's why this one might work. They allow smoking. It's 21 and up.
1: Which is why it came up on my... Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That, that, no. The Sugar Lounge offers hookah, cigars, and a CBD dispenser for infusing drinks, which is really funny to me. So, I mean, granted, CBD is not the same as THC, so it's not like you're getting high. But it's funny, it's alcohol-free bar, but that doesn't mean we're not without something that can affect your mental state. So, if I had a social club, let's
1: say I started Shane's Social Club, mm-hmm. and I wanted to say 21 and up only, could I legally do that? Yes. I could legally just say 21 up.
0: Even if you don't allow smoking, you can still be a 21... Even if there's no
1: other reason other than I, want, I don't want do You can pass
0: a, a rule that says your dress code requires you to walk through the door with a duck on your head. I'll, I'll
1: save that for plan B.
0: <laughs> so... I don't
1: think calling it duckheads would be real popular. Probably not. <laughs> Though accurate in here sometimes. I don't, I don't think
0: Hey you bunch of duckheads, get out of here. But no, I I do think this can work. And and the part of the reason is as I sit here drinking a non alcoholic beer that they have on offer here in the shop. We actually we went out to eat with my in-laws on Friday night at the only nice restaurant in Dixon. And they actually have two offerings from Athletic Brewing on the menu. So I got to have a beer with my dinner for the first time in six years almost, which is really great. We are seeing an expansion in the number of people who choose not to drink, either because they have a problem with it, don't want to risk the health concerns that may come with overusing, or just for, what, for any other reason. Just don't
1: want to, just finally the penalties on DUI have got stiff enough to make people think.
0: Maybe that too. And so what I've noticed within the last year, the expansion of craft non-alcoholic brewing and distilling, although I've not tried any alcohol-free bourbon or anything like that, clearly there's a market for it. And I think that's why the timing of this makes so much more sense, because there wouldn't be shelf space dedicated to non-alcoholic beer in the liquor store or in the grocery store. And they even keep it in the cooler at the grocery store down the road here. So it's taking up valuable enough real estate that there has to be a market for it. And if enough people want the kind of place, although for me, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I get that they're going to have live music, but... I think I'd still rather just go to a cigar shop
1: Right But um, Your wife wouldn't If you and your wife wanted to go to Hang out with some friends one night Yeah Getting them all together to go to the cigar store Probably be a hard tough. It, It would be Yeah, you're right And As we've moved now I don't know what the numbers are As we've moved to more people working from home You know Glenda and I are here almost every night Right And we're here almost every night because she works from home, I work by myself, and if we didn't come here, we would be the only people we would see all day. Right. And we like to come and have the social aspect. And there's a lot of people come here more for the social aspect than the cigars. That's why the social aspect of a shop is so important, why it's such a living organism. Right. So I think that this could be something that works... In this era, as opposed to any era before, just for the simple fact that the market has changed with the pandemic and everything changing so rapidly.
0: I do like that they have a drink called the Sugar Honey Iced Tea. As an acronym, it works. Oh, got it. <laughs> That's got it. a man who doesn't have kids. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Took me, took me. A, you had to explain it to me. In So, in the movie Madagascar, uh, Chris Rock plays a zebra. And at one point, he exclaims, sugar, honey, iced tea, when he Uh, clearly means. okay.
1: When he clearly. Okay. Got it. And also, jumping over to Half Wheel. La Forre Dominicana Solis. So, got the news today that these will probably be arriving in the shop tomorrow. Um, So, let's see. We ordered them in July they were promised to us in november they will be arriving in march yeah that's lfd that's
0: yeah that's that's lfd to a t (laughs)
1: that's that pretty much nobody's surprised by that i'm sure but i did get one while i was there at the show and it was the best lfd
0: i ever smoked have you ever seen a promo photo that demonstrates such bad construction as that (laughs) one. Such a
1: crooked burn. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and if
0: you you read his review, he smoked three, and two of them drew so tight that it actually affected the rating, which is rare. That is Typically, they don't allow construction issues to affect the rating unless it's just that egregious.
1: Well, the one I had drew excellently. And, like I said, um, this lighter smoke, like the Lenox, not usually what LFD does well. Right. But this one, they did right. Now, here's my complaints about this cigar. And I might be the only one in the world that has this complaint that doesn't own a cigar shop. I hate the shape of
0: this box. I know you do. Oh, and cow, and the I, toughest I, wrapper ever. I, uh, I understand why you dislike the box. A round box does not sit well on a humidor shelf. So this is a round box with only 10 cigars in it. If you've ever seen the Lenox box, it's the same box, just a different color.
1: So this is going to take up the space of at least two 20-count boxes.
0: Not really.
1: Yeah, but by the time you get it in there on the shelf, it's going to take up either the space of two side by side or one in front, one in back. And so you're going to give up for these 10 cigars, 40 cigars worth of shelf space. And that's just ridiculous. That's just an absolute. When are people, at what point does the quality of the product get out distanced by how poorly run LFD is? The back order
0: situations,
1: the funky shaped boxes. The...
0: I would have thought we were there by now. Like it, it surprises me. They've become so synonymous synonymous with back orders and shipping delays and production delays. And and also not really do anything new. They've they've yeah. been hanging their hat on the same temp post for a long time. But every time the
1: Andalusian bull comes in, we post on the Facebook page, got the Andalusian bull. And they're gone in an hour. Five guys call, Hey, how many boxes you got? I want them all. No, we're not selling you all of the boxes. You can come in and you can buy two cigars. Yeah. And that's it. We're not, sell, we're not letting you come in and buy our entire stock out and flip them, put them on Facebook and sell them for, you know, twice what you
0: paid for them. Right. Um, so, but... And the Andalusian Bull is not that good a cigar. So, I was leaving here the other night after we recorded. And yeah. the, the new guy, Zach, I, I was in the humidor grabbing a cigar and, and he comes in. He's, he's, he's new to cigars and he asked me a question... Which I thought was really smart, which was, what is the most expensive cigar that you've ever had that was worth it? And I, of course, told him the Alma Fuerte by Placencia. He goes, all right, what's the most expensive cigar that you've ever had that wasn't worth it? And I said, the Andalusian Bull. I don't get it. Absolutely.
1: I don't either. I don't understand the fascination people have with it. But the guys that have a fascination with it, they're kind they of... They spend the, that money. Yeah. They're kind of that guy um, it's, it's kind of a particular person But this Solace I'm looking forward to it It's a very good cigar It's not strong as a typical LFD But it's had very good complexity The draw was excellent I'm looking forward to actually Ironically enough Arrive tomorrow on my birthday So that'll probably be What I'm smoking for my birthday So thought that was cool So one more article Then we're going to get on to a topic Um, We're going to hit this briefly I got to quit saying that before every article (laughs) STG reports Higher revenue and profits With lower growth for 2022 So the only reason we're hitting this article Is last week we spent 20 minutes Saying how Could they pay 72 and a half million dollars For Alec Bradley Cigars right? And I don't profess To understand the numbers here But as someone Who probably understands this stuff On a better level than I do do you, did this make you feel like you understood why they paid that for Alec Bradley more or
0: less? Probably less, because it, it, it talks specifically about their past earnings. And while they're free... So, actually, no, it does as I'm looking at it again. I'd be curious to see what they did in Q4 of 20. Was that around the time that Forged... The end of twenty twenty was that when Forge came around?
1: Yeah, all right. No, so, they, I think it was twenty twenty one because um, Nate was still working for. Um, yeah, so he would he was still working for Miami in twenty twenty. Okay, so it had to be twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two before Forge showed it up. It wasn't
0: twenty two. It was, it was definitely still mid pandemic because it was right around the same time that uh, La Aurora laid off their their sales staff.
1: Okay, so it had to be kind of that same era.
0: Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is because one of the things, one of the items on this list is their free cash flow, and it's in Danish kroner. And I, I don't feel like looking at the conversion rate and doing all that math. But essentially, if you look, they have a history of building up their free cash flow to. About 564, in that 500 billion kroner range, Mm -hmm. and then they do something that sucks it off, which is what most companies do to avoid paying capital gains taxes. Right. As of Q4 2022, their free cash flow was 530. So, they needed to... They needed to diverge themselves of some income. Yeah.
1: So, that's why they
0: paid that price. That's why they paid that price.
1: Okay. See? I knew we could make it make sense. Now I understand. And no, Alec it Bradley had to, I, I the, guarantee
0: it had to have still been worth that price in some capacity, but they, it, it, it explains why they went hunting.
1: Right. Alec Bradley must has been the beneficiary of good timing. Exactly. As we talk about all the time, good timing makes a lot of things happen. So, um, I may be on my wrestling. When I'm talking to somebody about wrestling, I talk more about timing than cigars. But anyway, timing makes the world go round. So, St. Patrick's Day. So, this will drop on St. Patrick's Day. Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise. Um, this will drop on St. Patrick's Day. And you and I will be kilting up yep. for our annual viewing of the quiet man here at the shop. Um. Remind me after the show, i got to talk to you about the menu for that. Okay. <laughs> and all, I've got questions. But, um, one, is it okay to wear a kilt on St. Patrick's Day for a reason other than, hey, I want to wear a kilt? Is there a any kind of a historical significance that can back
0: that up? Because kilts are traditionally Scottish. Kilts are traditionally Scottish, although kilts are traditionally Gaelic. So, if you trace the lineage... Before Ireland really was Ireland, it, they had a common language with the Scots, and so you could you could make the argument that having that common ancestry gives the the Irish uh, a certain claim to kiltedness. Uh, furthermore, there, th- as the British Kingdom took over. Uh, Scotland and kind of absorbed it into the, to the British kingdom, it it became a a form of fashion. It it was seen as very, very fashionable in the late 17th century. So anything that kind of, that, that hails from that island, one could make the argument has, has a certain claim to, to a, a, to a kilted endeavor.
1: Okay, so if somebody says, "Well, I thought kilts are Scottish," I can say, "No, kilts are Gaelic." That's the easiest way to get around that question. Absolutely, that, that's all I. Know. I just need an easy out. I mean, I don't. I you hate to look at somebody and say, "Hey, who are you, the kilt police?" And I can wear my
0: kilt when I want to. I mean, the, the there's even an Irish national tartan, uh, just as there's a, an English national tartan and a Welsh national tartan. So. You know, it all, it all folds in together. And I'm not going to be... So, I'll wear a kilt because I want to wear a kilt. I don't need an occasion. However, you know, so I don't get into this whole cultural appropriation sort of thing because I feel like it's appreciation more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to wear... You know, um, one of the things I ordered was a um, Shamag. Mm-hmm. And I'll, um, David wore one on our hunt, and he showed me how versatile that particular piece of gear is. A Shamag, for those that don't know, it's a Middle Eastern. Um, it hangs around your neck, but it can be pulled up over your head. Special Forces guys wear them. Um, it's one of those fashion things that's kind of been adopted because of the functionality of that particular piece of
0: clothing. If you ever watch, I, I, I recently watched The Living Daylights, Timothy Dalton's first Bond film. Uh, you see it at play a lot as he's going through the desert with the uh, Maharaj.
1: Yeah, and I was looking at him and, you know, the versatility of them. I thought that would be an excellent piece of hunting gear because it's big enough. If you had an accident and needed a tourniquet, you could tourniquet yourself with it. You could build a sling with it. You could cover your head. You could keep your neck warm. And I don't feel like that's culture appropriation because it's such a useful item. Yeah, I think that's... Because goodness knows I wouldn't want to steal anything from Middle Eastern culture. And putting that... That's right. You don't like their food, do you? Oh, not at all. Them and Indian food. Gross. You're so wrong. But um, anyway, so, okay. So we're good to wear our kilt on St. Patrick's Day and all. But it is interesting. You mentioned this in the notes about forming traditions.
0: Yeah. You know, I was thinking through this because on Friday of this week so when this show airs we'll be sitting in here on Friday evening kilted up and watching the quiet man which is something that we have done for going on 6 years now right and i don't i know it was a tradition of yours long before i got involved but it kind of took the jump from being something that you did personally, because it's a favorite movie of yours, to being something that now people look forward to, that we make plans for. We apparently plan plan a menu this year. So, (laughs) and it just got me thinking, you know, recently, you know, within the last, you know, three years, you know, getting married while already having a kid, the topic of traditions comes up a lot in my household because when you bring two families together, especially around the holidays, you have certain traditions. What does Christmas mean to you? Is it going to a candlelight service at church? Is it you know, opening your matching pajamas on Christmas Eve before you go to bed? Is it any number of things? And you kind of have to merge those, but also occasionally you want to start a new tradition. And, like, what if, – if you're trying to start a tradition that isn't just yours, like, what goes into that? Like, I know that if I want to get something off the ground, I tell you because you're because you're a a golden retriever. I'm a golden retriever. I, I can, You'll I can, get the word out. I can out. make
1: that happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can I'm, – I'm good at making things happen. I'd be the world's worst super spy because I'd be the guy hollering, hey – gonna go over here with some nuclear codes to tool around who wants to watch right <laughs> you know i'd just i'd be a terrible spy i'd be i'm great at organizing things about putting people together getting things off the ground that's just what i do um and it's odd because it's funny because you get in the traditions like Glenda's family one of the big shocks for me with Glenda's family was the way they open christmas presents they hand out all the christmas presents they sit down and they say, Okay, Shane, open one of your presents. And everybody watches while you open your present. And then they say, Philip, now open one of yours. Now, Glenda, and they go around the horn. Now, my family, we always held out, uh, sorted out the Christmas presents. Everybody got their Christmas presents. And then they'd say, Go. <laughs>
0: And like a pack of (laughs) rabid banshees.
1: Yeah, I would do the Tasmanian devil thing. I'd start spinning around and paper would be flying and boxes and tape and everything flying around. And we all just opened our presents. And I will say I do like the way Glenda's family does it better.
0: So we always were much closer to the way Glenda's family does it in that sort of take turns, but no real established order to it. My wife's family does something interesting, speaking of this, which is that, again, distribute all the presents, and then each person or couple takes in turns to open all of the gifts from one person. So, my brothers-in-law and their wives would then open all of the gifts from us in turn. And then then it, it kind of, so that every, because... You got to tell the story, right? Oh, I saw that. It's so and so, we got that when we were on vacation in this place, or blah blah blah. I know you like this, whatever. But it's it's fun that you know that because I love watching people open. I'm a really good gift giver, and I love watching people. And it's a great way to kind of have that focus between who's getting the gift and who's giving it.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's always fun, and it's always fun because it carries through, you know. Philip and I, for years, exchanged a book and all. You know the book. Yes. And we would exchange this book as a gift back and forth. And so one year he wrapped his up in duct tape and all this stuff, and I had to cut through, you know, a foot and a half of duct tape to get to my book. Well, the next year I sealed his in concrete. (laughs) (laughs) And he had to have a sledgehammer to get his gift out. Mm -hmm. And the trick is you always want them to think that it's not the book. Right. That it's something they really want Inside that, that concrete block And then when they get there in the book The look on their faces is, is right. you know, Precious, priceless And you know he taped mine to the ceiling one year I had to get a broom handle And get it off that's, the ceiling That's
0: pretty good The
1: best one I ever did was when I sealed his in foam the foam was ten times messier and hardier to get it out of than the um,
0: concrete. Yeah, because c- it's just little flakes.
1: Oh, and it's just everywhere, and it was, it was great. It, was, it took him like 30 minutes, and when he seen it was the
0: book, he was so mad. It was hilarious. So starting a new tradition. I think it needs to be something that's not cumbersome. Right. I think kind of flirting the edge for that is your uh, your camping fishing trip you do with all the men in your family every year. Because getting to one spot that's not really convenient to everybody can be a little tough.
1: Well, and the good thing about that tradition, what makes that tradition work, is we always
0: do it the week of Memorial Day. Right. So, you know... You could I, I could be trying to make plans With you four years from now And you already know If you're busy that right. weekend or I not. know
1: that week I'll be in Memorial Day I'll be on the banks At Bruton Branch mm-hmm. And that's what ma- So that's one aspect Of creating a tradition Is You've got to put a time stamp On that sucker you got to yeah. say On this day Bang
0: We go camping The last weekend in April And the first weekend In October
1: Absolutely And you know that All year round Just yep. like Christmas And it comes to that. And I think that's an important part of establishing these traditions.
0: Yeah. And sometimes that has to happen over time. You can't always, the first time you do something, can't say, okay, we're going to do this every Labor Day.
1: (laughs) Well, and I'll tell you one of my tricks for establishing a tradition, give you all the inside trick on it. When you say, hey, we're watching The Quiet Man this Friday. And somebody says, well, I'll try to get with it. Just look at them and say, okay, that's a no. Yeah. And just tell people, anything other than a yes is a no. Anything, any, I'll try, I, maybe I can, let me check my schedule. Anything like that is a no. And if you tell
0: people that, they say, oh, okay, this is serious. And I feel like you have to have three people. I feel like having two people bought in and, and dead set on it, makes it a little tougher than if you have three. Because then there's always going to be the person who doesn't like that person, but they like the two of you or whatever. Maybe doesn't not like, but not as close with. Yeah, takes because three two, people to start a tradition. Because two guys sitting around watching a movie is two guys sitting around watching a movie. But as soon as you have that, now it's... You still haven't listened to Alice's Restaurant. Now it's a movement. And it it helps build that momentum. Look, if you can make it great. The fact is, we're watching Quiet Man at 6:30 in the shop on St. Patrick's Day because that's what we do. We'd love to have you but we won't be heartbroken if you don't do it because we do it for us.
1: Right. Right. We're not we're not here waiting on you. And we're not going to change the day because you want to go do this or the they're doing two for one yeah, group. We'll see beer you next nights. year. Yeah. Okay, good luck. Yeah. And also, yeah, I think you're right. I think three is a minimum. So we're establishing the rules of making a tradition. One, got to have a time stamp. Yep. Two, got to have at least three people completely balled in. Yep. And then three, anything other than a yes is a no.
0: And I think it has to be, I think it has to be low effort fun.
1: Yes. Yes. Can't require a
0: whole lot of. Yeah, of we can't say we're going skydiving. Right. You know, it's hard to, you know, every New Year's Day we go skydiving. That's a lot of work. But watching a movie, going fishing, going, I mean, there's a lot of effort involved in going fishing, but many hands make light work. And it's, there's peaceful enjoyment. It's relaxing as opposed to being just work.
1: Well, and a good story helps, you know, um, our annual, we always take Good Friday off and my dad and I fish together. Yeah. We do that because the one good Friday my great uncles worked, one of them fell off a roof and broke his back. It was an omen. And we said, okay, so every good Friday we're going to be fishing because that's the day that Cliff broke his back because he was working. None of us want to break our back, hence we're all going to go fishing that day.
0: That reminds me of the tradition within a tradition. So, for instance, on our camping trip, footballs are not allowed. Because I think it was either I think it was the second year. A couple of guys were throwing the football around the campfire. One guy rolled his ankle. Actually, ended up breaking his ankle, and they had to go. And it, nope, you can't throw a football at our campsite because you will break a foot.
1: No footballs allowed. <laughs> good, good, good. Tradition inside a tradition.
0: So I do. I like the the tradition inside the tradition.
1: Yeah, that a little parameters. So you get three to buy in. You get your parameters set. How many years in a row do you have to do it for it to become a tradition? Three. Three years? Is three the magic number again?
0: I think the third year is when you can call it a tradition. You only okay. have to do it for two years. You've established the baseline. From there on out, it's a tradition. And so pat how do you go about passing it down through the generations? This is something I think that works with our camping trip really well. It's 21 up. So it becomes a source of excitement and anticipation for the younger generation coming up now it's it's open to one guest you know but we have to coordinate because we can't all bring a guest we don't have that kind of real estate but and if you come a certain number of times then you become a charter member and you can bring a that that sort of thing but i like having the minimum age requirement for for certain things where it becomes a well n- next year or a couple years from now you can be a part of this right and then you can bec-
1: look forward to it yeah uh, almost a rite of passage exactly you know you think about it it's almost a um, a rite of passage into manhood this year I get to go to Dad's camping trip yeah you know and it's funny because our camping trip our um, Memorial Week camping trip. We always keep track of. Okay, you know, right now Uncle Williams, the oldest guy there, he's ninety years old. My dad is the next oldest guy there, and we're kind of prepping Dad for you know when the day comes and Willie goes on to the next part of the next part of his journey. Mm-hmm. That Dad will then become the patriarch of this camp trip.
0: So, it, interesting in our camping trip, it's very similar, which is so my dad and my uncle, his younger brother, my dad's sixty. Two, and so my uncle's like 58 or so, they've always been in charge of the camping trip. They plan the menu, they buy the groceries. Now, we all Venmo and settle up afterwards, but they plan the menu, they do the thing, they get there early, they set up camp, they cook all the meals. It's it's a whole thing. Well, so the spring trip went away for a while and is now back because we all just realized we missed it. And we started talking on the last spring trip. That's going to be my brother's and my trip. Speaking of handing off the tradition. So starting not this year, but next year, because my brother just started his new job. Uh, and so he doesn't quite have the tenure to be able to, to get away and, and put in the effort that's required. But the spring trip, we'll plan the menu. We'll buy the groceries. We'll set up camp. We'll cook the meals. And I, when I tell you I can't wait, I mean, it means that I don't get to enjoy the trip nearly as much because I'm working a lot more. But when I tell you to be handed something off from an adult member of your family who you've looked up to all your life, and in my case, I'm lucky I've got two of those people, it, there's nothing like it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a rite of passage. Again, rite of passage. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about rite of passages and manhood and the value of having those rites of passage and things like that. It's, it's yeah, it kind of hands off to that. Yeah. And all, because, you know, I'm, let's be honest, I'm the ramrod in most of the operations that go on in this cigar shop as far as social gatherings. Right. And, all you know, when it comes time to, hey, national championship games this week, we're all going to meet and eat it. We're all going to meet, Shane, what's the menu? Right. And all I kind of ramrod it's that Port operation. Tenderloin
0: biscuits and. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, all right. So enough about traditions. The moment has arrived. I,
0: I feel like that segment was really just for us, but I enjoyed it.
1: Hey, the uh, whole podcast just for us. All y'all just get to sit down and listen and enjoy it with us. That's true. <laughs> and I'll, So, what would you pay
0: for the La Gloria Cubana, Eighth Street? Let me first say this is a six and a half. This cigar is incredible. Now, that's not knowing the price, and we all know that price factors into my rating. I feel like this would be just stupid, out-of-the-world good at $8. I feel like it's really good at 12
1: MSRP on La Gloria Cubana, 8th Street,
0: $22. See, I thought you were going the other way with it. That's, <laughs> I, I really lowballed because... Because I legitimately was sitting here this whole time thinking it's about a $16 cigar. But I, I thought you were sandbagging. At a $16 price point, I don't think we could keep those in the shop. Mm-mm.
1: I don't think. And now it's a limited edition. It's a limited release special edition. Yeah. If they made it a regular production cigar, if they had the ability to get the tobacco and do that, and they put it out there at 16 bucks, I don't think they could keep them on the shelves.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: But at $22... It's hard to get people to try
0: it. I'm smoking the Alma Fuerte over this At the same price
1: At that price, yeah You're in Padron money You're
0: in almafuerte money And it's good And I have no doubt That there is someone out there That that fits their palate To such a tea That no other cigar will come close right. That's going to be somebody's Favorite cigar of all time
1: So the Agonorsa Leaf It's a five and a half It's like all the other Aganorsa Leaf Supreme Leafs It's good, not great It's kind of just there um, I'd like to see Agonorsa Leaf Do a little better yeah I'm not saying I didn't like it I liked it I think it's a good cigar it's, a, it's sitting at about 15 bucks in the humidor here Okay Which is a little on the high side But that's a fair enough price for it um, I don't think I would smoke it any more if it was cheaper I don't think I would smoke it any less if it was more expensive Yeah It's kind of the definition of an annual release You pay a few few extra shekels for an annual release but, it's
0: the cigar it is. The price doesn't really factor into it.
1: Yeah. Just kind of what it is, what it is. It's, you know, if I had put a number on it, five and a half,
0: it's a little better than, than yeah. mediocre. Yeah.
1: And all, but I'd like to see
0: them get a little more exciting with their blends. So
1: how do they get a hold of us, Trey?
0: You can reach us at facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast and info at thecigarcast.com.
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.